Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. As always, go give my social medias and everything, likes and follows and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, go leave the podcast a rating and or review, uh, specifically on Apple Podcasts, because Apple Podcasts is pretty much the most popular podcasting platform that there is, and the more ratings and reviews I have, the better that algorithms will pull up my show whenever people decide to look for a kaiju, Godzilla, King Kong, whatever type of podcast and everything. So if you wouldn't mind, go do that for me, please. And go check out my website, which is www.kaijucarnage.org. And, you know, just check out everything I've got on there. All of my podcast episodes are on there. I've got a blog on there. I don't mess with it a whole lot, but I do have uh, two entries that are in there. So yeah, by all means, go ahead and go check all that out. So before I actually start uh, recording the, or not necessarily recording, but before I actually start getting into today's episode or anything, I would like to thank you guys for the reception that I have gotten from the rise and fall of Godzilla. Those two episodes, like, I kind of expected them to do good. Like, I really did. Like, I just figured, okay, the, these will probably do just as good as some of my other episodes where I, I talk about movies or something like that. But whenever I put the first one out, I'm talking, like, within, I mean, phew, within, like, 30 minutes, it already had, like, 10 listens or something like that. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> like, uh, I guess... I guess people had been waiting for <laughs> for this one because I I had hyped that one up a while back. Like you guys have known that I was going to be doing the rise and fall of Godzilla for many many months, and I finally decided to do it. And um, I was like, well, okay, like, people were pretty excited about that one. But then it's like listeners were just coming out of the woodwork to listen to that one, and it is currently almost triple some of my better performing episodes that I've released in the in like the last month and a half or two months or something like that. And so I was like, oh, wow. So then I released the second one and same thing, same exact thing. Uh, those two episodes have done tremendous. Thank you guys so much for listening to them. Um, it was going to be a test for me to see if I was going to do more original content in the future because, you know, for the most part, my podcast is just, I pick a movie, I talk about the production of it, the legacy of it, you know, pre-production and all of that kind of stuff. But this was the first time that I was, you know, other than a Kaiju Spotlight, um, this was the first time I was actually going to just do something original and talk about, like, something like that. And these two episodes did amazing. So I can go on ahead and tell you guys that more original content is going to be coming from me in the future. Uh, I've already got plenty of ideas for other uh, episodes that I can do. I'm planning on, after I cover all of the uh, Showa era, or possibly just the entire er everything in the library for Gamera, doing something similar for him, like the rise and fall of Gamera and all of that. 
uh, be a part one and part two, cover, you know, the first six movies in one, the last six movies in another. I can do the same thing with King Kong. I've thought about doing, like, uh, Godzilla's most awesome moments or, like, Godzilla's most ridiculous moments from the Showa era, you know? Like, there's so many opportunities now at this point, now that I know that original content is uh, going to do so well. So definitely look out for more original content from me in the future. And speaking of original content, the YouTube is up and running. I've got two videos on there. I've got one. I did a re-recording of my original podcast episode, The OGs of Kaiju Part 1, King Kong, 1933. And the most recent one that I put up about two or three days ago at the time of this recording is an unboxing of me getting some, uh, some little miniature kaiju figures that you have to put together. They're not models-like, but... You know, you have to like snap the arms together and the legs and all of that kind of stuff. And I just did an unboxing and, um, you know, putting together three of the four. I was going to show putting together Mothra Leo from the Rebirth of Mothra, but uh, I don't know if I was doing something wrong or if it's just the design of that particular kaiju. It was, uh, it was extremely difficult to get together. I felt like I was wasting a lot of time. I'd used up a lot of, uh, video trying to, uh, trying to put him together. So I just, I, I skipped over him. So I put together Jet Jaguar from Singular Point, um, Mecha Godzilla from the Heisei era of Godzilla films, and then Godzilla Ultima from Godzilla Singular Point. So <clears throat> with all of that said, Today's episode, I'm getting getting back to form today. I'm going to be talking about a movie. Um, this is probably going to be a pretty short episode. I had to scour the internet for every little bit of information that I have on this movie. There just wasn't a whole lot out there for me to, uh, to do. Like, I checked as many websites as I could, and um, this... this my notes are basically a Frankenstein of about seven or eight different websites that I would go to and be like, oh, well, that one's got something different. No, this one's got something different. But nonetheless, it's still going to be a pretty, a pretty short episode. And I'm going to be talking about the 1968 film Gamera versus Virus, or Virus. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. But uh, I'm going to say Virus because that one just, it just sounds correct to me. But, um... Guys, I'm not gonna lie. This one was uh, this one's difficult. <laughs> like um, I uh, <clears throat> I have a love hate relationship with this movie. On 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 one hand, I commend it for what it was able to do, considering a lot of stuff that took place behind the scenes that I'm going to get into in the episode. But like, and the end result overall is is bad in my opinion I'm just I'm not I'm not a fan of this movie but even by saying the end result of this movie is bad there's a reason that the end result of this movie is bad due to financial problems that Daye was having at the time so yeah this movie was aimed solely at children made for children so pretty much any aspect of you know Adults liking Gamera pretty much went out the window with this movie as far as the rest of the Showa era was concerned. But I'm going to uh, I'm going to get into all that later on in the episode, so let's jump right to it. 
This is the fourth film in the Gamera franchise, and it's once again directed by Noriaki Yuasa. Now, Daie was going through some problems at the time. For those of you, you know, that don't know because I haven't covered a whole lot of Gamera films, Daie is the company that would make the uh, Gamera films, just like Toho is the company that makes the Godzilla films. But Daie was, uh, they were on the brink of bankruptcy. And they were not doing well. They had put out some, some dud movies. And they pretty much knew that they were going to have a hit with a Gamera film. So they wanted to do a Gamera film. The only problem is they were in such a financial bind that they could not afford to really give a lot of money to this Gamera film because they were like, it was just too big of a chance. Like They're like, if we sink way more money into this movie than what we need to and it ends up bombing, like, that's it. The company's going to go under. So if we put just barely any money into the movie and it does good, at least whenever the profits start rolling in, we haven't, you know, we, we make a, a better profit margin. And so, basically what they did was, whenever they said, okay, it's time to make uh, the new Gamera movie, they cut the budget to uh, translate it to American dollars. They cut the budget down to $56,000 is what this movie was going to be shot on. And not only that, they gave the production team and everything, 25 days to film the movie. So we're talking about a film that was made on $56,000 and was shot in under a month. And because of those two things right there, uh, they had to resort to something that many kaiju fans, myself included, has never really been a fan of because it's it can be viewed as just simply lazy and all of that. It, they relied on stock footage. Now, Godzilla, <clears throat> at this point in time, had already, you know, everyone knows whenever you watch Showa-era Godzilla films, there's a lot of stock footage in the Showa-era Godzilla films. And it's for a lot of the same reasons that uh, Daie did theirs. Although Toho was never really in financial trouble, they just wanted to save as much money as possible. And so we got a lot of stock footage in Showa-era Godzilla films. And, you know, so if you've seen a lot of Godzilla movies from the Showa era, seeing a lot of stock footage normally wouldn't bother you. But in the case of this film, the stock footage that we got was done in the form of a flashback. So the basic premise of the movie is that there are these aliens that come to Earth and they want to eliminate Gamera and to pretty much get him to do whatever they want him whatever they want him to do is they kidnap two boys, two two kids and basically threaten to kill the kids unless Gamera submits to them. But before they actually do that, they do a like a memory scan on Gamera and like we're gonna watch this to try and find his weaknesses to see what could stop him and so then what we have is this very long scene that is simply stock footage we get stock footage from 
uh, Gamera the Giant Monster, the original Gamera film. We get stock footage from Gamera vs. Barugan, the second one. And then, uh, <clears throat> and then stock footage from Gamera vs. Gyos. And it's after they watch the stuff with Gyos that they determine that children is his weakness, that he's, he really likes kids. And so they decide to use children against him so that he bends to their will. And if you haven't seen the movie and you just listen to me talk about that, you probably think, okay, that's not that bad. Like, we just get a little bit of stock footage and everything. No, it's not a little bit of stock footage. <clears throat> it, was, it was like 15 minutes of this. Like, <laughs> it was... Like, we get, uh, the first bit of stock footage that we get is Gamera rising up from the ice in the original film. And then the second bit of stock footage we get is just this very long fight scene between him and Barugan. And then we get an even shorter scene of him fighting Gyos. And, you know, a 15 minute memory scan slash flashback that is entirely stock footage like it completely like it will derail whatever movie it is that you're watching i don't care what what movie it is that you're watching like imagine if a movie did that today like a big name movie that makes from a big name franchise let's just use the D, uh the mcu as an example say they decide to come out <clears throat> um you know i don't know a new Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that. And while the team is getting ready to do something, <clears throat> say that uh, there's a memory scan that's done on Star-Lord and then we get like 15 to 20 minutes of just rehashed scenes from Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I mean, for those of you that really enjoyed those movies, you're going to sit there and be like, I mean, I like I like those movies so that those scenes don't really bother me. But at the same time, you're going to be sitting there like, I came to see a new movie. Like, why am I, why, why has this been going on for 15 minutes? Like, why am I sitting here watching this nonsense? And that's what happened. And that was not all of the stock footage that they, that they did. There are other uh, instances of stock footage throughout the movie. So yeah, there's a lot of stock footage that was used in this film. And I believe it really, really hurt it. Like I said, Stock footage can hurt a movie if it was even done today. But for that length and for that amount, like it was, it was like they shot themselves in the foot with how well this movie could possibly have been uh, received. As I said, this film was aimed directly at children. Now, guess the Gamera franchise up to this point had already been very child friendly. But. They hadn't made any movies to where, like, okay, this is literally going to be a kid's movie made for kids, aimed at kids, with kids in mind. This was the very first Gamera film to do that. And so they went with it. Now, uh, there was an agreement between Daye and American International TV. And the agreement was going to be that after the film was made, American International was going to show was going to show the film over here in the states in syndication, like on TV and all of that kind of stuff. However, 
they made one stipulation as to why they would do this. The only way that they would do this. They wanted an American to be in the film. They wanted to see more Americans be in uh, these giant monster movies. And, you know, you can have your opinions on that, but I mean, I kind of understand what they're saying because it's basically like, okay, since like 1956, we've been bringing over these Japanese kaiju films and all of that kind of stuff. And some like Godzilla, you know, they would just completely reshoot other scenes and all of that and insert them into the movie. But they actually like American international was like, no, we want like an American to actually be part of the production of the movie. Like we're giving you guys more exposure by showing it on TV over here in the States and everything. The least you can do is put one or two of our guys in the film. And so Daye accepted. They said, sure, no problem. You know, like, like, like they said, it's going to be more exposure. It's going to be on American TV. Like, you know, the movie would do a whole lot better at that point in time. And so they started searching for an American boy to be the co-main star of the film. There was just one problem. They could not find any American child actors that could speak Japanese. And, you know, they wanted him to be able to speak Japanese. They didn't want him just to speak English on set uh, and then just redub his lines because that would have cost even more money and more time. And Daye did not have the funding to be able to do stuff like that. I mean, Toho had done stuff like that. There had been a few movies that Toho had done um, that would have an American on set and he would speak English on set. And then after the movie was over, they would just hire a voice actor to come back and dub his lines in Japanese. And, you know, that's what we ended up getting. Daye just did not have... They just could not do that. They couldn't waste the time on doing that. So, what did they do? Probably one of the most intelligent things that they could have possibly done. They went to a military base and they found... Um, a military man that had a son. The son's name was Carl Craig. He could speak fluent Japanese because his father was stationed in Japan. And so, you know, naturally they they picked up the language uh, a pretty good bit and everything. And they hired this kid, Carl Craig, to be the character of Jim, the American boy that's in the film. And the kid had had no prior acting experience whatsoever. He had never been in anything. And I'm not going to lie. Like, watching this film, it's like... And you watch him. You see how he is. You see how he reacts to things and all of that kind of stuff. The kid did a great job. He did a fantastic job. Especially whenever you consider, like, he had zero acting experience going into this movie. So whenever you watch the film and you see... Jim, the American boy that is best friends with uh, the other kid, that is the son of a military man with no acting experience, and he was hired simply because he could speak Japanese. But I think it ended up working out for him. I mean, it was pretty cool. Um, guys, I'm not going to lie. That's really all of the behind-the-scenes stuff that 
that I have for this movie. I couldn't find anything about how the suits were made or anything like that. But speaking of suits, I'm going to go ahead and go on record and say I have seen a bunch of kaiju films. I love kaiju films. You guys know that. I've seen a lot of cheesy monster movies. I'm 34 years old. I love monster movies. I've loved them ever since I was a child. And so I've seen... So yeah, I've seen a lot of monster movies in my day. And I can honestly say that the Virus suit, which is supposed to be like a giant octopus, alien octopus, squid something is easily one of the worst monster suits I've ever seen in my life. Like you just, you just see it on screen. It doesn't look right. It doesn't look like ugh. that. No, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not a fan. Now the artwork that was done for the Blu-ray box set, he looks pretty awesome. He really does. Uh, that artwork that artwork was done by a very, very awesome, amazing kaiju artist Matt Frank that has done uh, numerous drawings for kaiju, for like IDW comics and all of that kind of stuff. And he did the artwork for the Blu-ray box set, and he made Virus look awesome. And then you actually watch the movie and you see Virus, and you're just like Jesus. Like, <laughs> like it's, oh my God, it's, it's, it's so bad. And, um, there was one other part about the movie that truly annoyed me. And I know I just gave props to, uh, Carl Craig, the American kid in the film, but, uh, this, this particular thing that annoyed me, uh, deals with him and it deals with his friend as well in the film. For some reason, during the final battle, and it wasn't just through the final battle, this is sprinkled in throughout the entire movie, but specifically through the final battle, they kind of went overboard with it. It's just, for some reason, they thought that it was just going to be a good idea to where, like, while the battle was going on, the kids were to just scream Gamera's name over and over and over again, and watching like when you're sitting there watching this movie and you're seeing this big kaiju battle and all of that and literally the only dialogue that is being spoke is about every two minutes you just hear gamera 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 just over and over and over again i mean like if you're listening to this episode and you thought that part was annoying like imagine them doing it as many times as they did in the actual film if you uh if you haven't seen it yet but yeah that so the suit was bad that particular part with them just screaming Gamera's name over and over and over again that was bad and um I'm aware just now that with the way I was saying Gamera could be I'm not trying to sound insensitive to like the Japanese language or anything. I was just trying to mimic the pronunciation that they do for Gamera and all of that. And they speak it in a very uh, high-pitched uh, high pitched voice. Uh, I did not mean any offense. So let's, uh, just going ahead and throwing that out there. I was not trying to uh, make fun of the Japanese culture or anything like that. I was just trying to mimic the way that they were uh, saying Gamera over and over and over again. But anywho, moving on. Um, there is, uh, there were three different versions of this movie 
that ended up being released. And all three versions are on the Blu-ray box set. Um, if you guys go out and try to get the uh, Blu-ray box set that is available from Arrow Video. Uh, you can either get them separately, like I did. The one box set is the Showa era. The other box set is the Heisei era. It's all Gamera films that there are. And whenever you get the two, if you turn them sideways and put them together, like it does like this, it puts together this really cool piece of artwork where half of Gamera is, he looks like he's from the Showa era. And then the other half, it looks like he's from the, um, the Heisei era. And so I thought it was, it was really, really cool. Um, or the other box set is just, it's a much more bigger box set, and it just says Gamera, the complete film collection. But I wanted the separate box sets just because of the artwork that you could slide them together to combine to make that really long, nice-looking piece of artwork. But in the Blu-ray for that particular set, you can watch all three different versions if you want. There is the theatrical cut. Then there is the director's version that, you know, that has additional scenes and things like that. And then there is the infamous American cut. There's always an infamous American cut with so many of these giant monster movies from Japan, isn't there, y'all? So, <clears throat> they, <clears throat> pardon me, the stock footage scene that I was talking about a little while ago, that was about 15 minutes long. They extended that stock footage scene to where it clocks in at just over 18 minutes. Think, guys, the movie already, even with the first like 15 minutes of stock footage in the memory scan flashback scene that they did, was like, you know, was 15 minutes. The movie overall is 78 minutes long. And then they increased that flashback to 18 minutes. Like, so, ugh, like, I mean, you're talking, so basically, give it or take, you have a movie that's about 80 minutes long and about 20 minutes of it is flashback. Okay? That's, that's a problem. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know who watched that movie and was like, okay, we're going to make an American cut of this film. And they watched that particular part, the memory scan scene. And they basically like, okay, you know what this movie needs? More stock footage. And so specifically in that scene where the stock footage is completely overdone and we've had literally 15 minutes of nonstop stock footage. Yeah. Let's go on ahead and put some more stock footage in that scene. Like it, ugh. But, so, it aired on TV. Um, it was a huge hit. It was a hit, uh, you know, many critics kind of, they gave it so-so reviews, basically saying, like, if you're, if you're a, a grown person, an adult, that's into kaiju films and all of that kind of stuff, you're probably not going to like this. But just watching it strictly as a children's movie, like, it's, it's pretty solid. And I'm not going to lie. If I had been introduced to this film whenever I was a kid, because I none of the Gamera films, I didn't get into any of the Gamera films while I was younger. That was just for King Kong and Godzilla and a few of the other like standalone kaiju films that's been done by other companies and all of that. But for Gamera, I did not see a Gamera film until I was well into my 20s. And so, a lot of the Gamera films, like, I I watch them. I've only 
seen a pretty good chunk of them within like maybe the last 10 years or something like that. This one being one of them. And so whenever I watch them, I don't have nostalgia pushing me forward. I, I just, I sit down and I watch the movies and I see them for what they are. Now, I'm usually very, very good at being able to watch a movie. And even if I know it's terrible, I can sit there and say, okay, but I know what the budget was. And I know a lot of the stuff behind the scenes was that's going on and everything. So I can have respect for a movie, even though I don't necessarily like a movie. And this is... This is a very, very good example of that mindset for me. I believe this is a bad movie. I'm sorry. It just it just is. If if you like it, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry for bad mouthing one of your uh one of your favorite camera films, but I've I just I'm sorry. I don't I don't care for this movie. I think it is straight up bad. But with that said, they were on a budget of fifty six thousand dollars. They were given not even a month to shoot the film. And so what we got for the end result, I can have respect for it, that it turned out better than what it could have. I mean, you give me just $56,000 and tell me you have a month to film an entire movie, I wouldn't be able to come up with something as good as this. I just, I just wouldn't. Like, so more power to these guys for being able to shell out what they did with what they had. And in that regard, I can have respect for them. But now back to the American cut. The American cut of the film, they retitled it from Gamera versus Virus to Destroy All Planets. The reason that they called it Destroy All Planets was because of the release of Destroy All Monsters that had come out not long before that, and they wanted to try and capitalize on that. Just something like, okay, well, this Godzilla movie was called Destroy All Monsters. What's this other kaiju film that's called Destroy All Planets? Is that a sequel? Is that connected? Let's check this out. Let's watch it or something like that. It was completely a marketing strategy, and <clears throat> I honestly can't tell you if it worked or not, but the movie was a success in the box office. It made uh, Daye a pretty good amount of money. And this is the movie that began the formula for the Gamera films to where it would be aimed directly at children, made for children, and kids were going to be the number one priority in their minds because of the popularity of this film. And for the rest of the Showa era, this is... You know, I mean, there's there's some decent ones in there, here and there. But this was um, pretty much the beginning of the fall for Gamera. And it would not be... This movie came out in 1968. It would be just three years later, I believe, in 1971, where Daye's financial problems just got too much for them to be able to handle. And they actually filed for bankruptcy. And Gamera ends up um, being sold to another company. And the Showa era would officially come to an end with the Gamera franchise in 1980, I believe. So, yeah, the dark days for Gamera is uh, about to begin. And naturally, I'll cover that in more detail with other Gamera films that I decide to do. And the eventual... Showa era, the rise and fall of Gamera.
that I'm going to be doing one day in the future, part one and part two. So, <clears throat> alrighty guys, that pretty much does it for Gamera versus Virus. Now, before I actually announce what next week's episode is going to be, <clears throat> um, just like with Showa era, the rise and fall of Godzilla, because I believe I had hyped that episode up so much, and people heard about it, they knew kind of what to expect, they had been waiting for it for a few months, I'm going to do the same thing again. Now, this isn't going to be necessarily original content. I'm just going to tell you guys a theme that I'm going to be going with. You guys, you longtime listeners have heard me mention the name Ray Harryhausen many, many times on this podcast. He is an amazing individual with what he was able to do. He is a giant in the world of special effects. Special effects in movies today would not be what they are if it weren't for him doing what he did back in the 50s and 60s and all of that kind of stuff, which that could also be traced back to Willis O'Brien and his work that he did in the original 1933 King Kong because Ray Harryhausen is the protege of Willis O'Brien. But nonetheless... Willis O'Brien, not Willis O'Brien, boy, I tell you. Ray Harryhausen passed away in May. Like, you know, just that's the month that he uh, he passed away in. He was born in June. So what I'm going to do is the final week of May, I'm going to do a character spotlight on him where I'm going to talk about his career, how he studied and become, became an up-and-comer under Willis O'Brien, how he created his special effects method that he used that he called Dynamation, and then just, you know, what his career ended up being like and all of that. And then for the next month in June, in celebration of his birthday, I'm dedicating an entire month of my podcast to Ray Harryhausen, and four of the films that he did. Four of the most iconic films that he did. I'm going to be doing one of his Sinbad movies. I haven't truly decided which one I'm going to do yet. But uh, I'm going to be doing one of his Sinbad movies. I'm going to be doing Clash of the Titans. I'm going to be doing Jason and the Argonauts. Uh, Jason and the Argonauts is one of my all-time favorite films. Not just because it's kaiju related or anything. Uh, because Telos is in there. But... I've been a fan of the original Jason and the Argonauts since I was about five or six years old. In the same way that I became a fan of King Kong and Godzilla and all that by catching those movies in hotel rooms whenever I was a child traveling with my father, that is how I first saw the original Jason and the Argonauts. It's how I first saw the original Clash of the Titans. Like, I've seen a bunch of movies in hotel rooms whenever I was a kid, y'all. So, yeah, I've been a fan of uh, Jason and the Argonauts for just about as long as I've been a fan of Godzilla or King Kong or something like that. And then I'm also going to be doing uh, 20 Million Miles to Earth, from Earth. Uh, uh, wow, I'm spacing. But that one. <laughs> the one where the monster is uh, Ymir. And so, yeah, I'm going to be doing those four films. Uh, as well as the final week of May, I will be doing a spotlight on Ray Harryhausen. So get ready for Ray Harryhausen month that's going to be coming in June. Um, 
you know, go out and watch some of Ray's movies if you haven't seen it yet. Watch the 20 Million Miles to Earth. Watch uh, the original Clash of the Titans. Uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Watch the Sinbad movies that um, that he did. Like, watch them. See his style. See his stop motion style that he did. Try to appreciate him. There's a documentary on Ray Harryhausen. I believe it's available on Prime Video it, or Tubi. I'm not entirely sure. I know. I think it's available for free on one of the streaming uh, platforms that there is. But I have it on blu-ray so i don't have to i don't have to worry about streaming but it's a documentary about his life it's called ray harry halson like uh titan of special effects so go give that a watch uh if you want to learn more about him before you actually listen to me jump into all of those movies in june but yeah and next week i'm going to be doing the very first ever listener suggestion for my podcast. I think I talked to you guys about this last week. Uh, my One of my Australian listeners, his name is Eddie Crosby. Um, he and I talk a pretty good bit. I probably talk to him more than I talk to any of my other listeners uh, through Messenger and all of that. But I challenged you guys to come up with any type of questions or comments that you had and I would read them on air. And the comments could be anything if you guys just messaging me and saying like the Millennium series of Godzilla films are my favorite kaiju films. And you could tell me why. And I would read it on the next episode. Well, Eddie, my boy Eddie, he uh, he took it to the next level. He didn't just come at me with like, so what's your favorite version of Godzilla and why? Or, you know... What's your least favorite kaiju film of all time? He didn't come at me with a little generic question like that, which is honestly what I was expecting from people. He came at me with this very long, it's like three paragraphs long. And uh, whenever I read it, I was just like, holy mackerel, like this is, this is a great question. This is pretty awesome. And basically, I'm going to read the whole thing in its entirety uh, next week whenever I actually go to do... Uh, do the episode, but basically what it boils down to is he asked me, what if Hollywood, it's a theoretical question, 100%, but uh, what if Hollywood had decided to continue creating their own original kaiju films to try and compete with the popularity of Godzilla and Gamera and monsters like that instead of just having Americanized versions of those movies shipped over here to the States. What if they would have continued to just shell out their own original kaiju content? What would the kaiju have looked like? What underlying themes would they have been had and all of that kind of stuff? And it was a fantastic question. And I was going to read it and answer it at the beginning of one of my episodes, but the more I looked into it, I shared it with my friend Kid Kong. He was on the Rebirth of Mothra episode, and I've been on his podcast a number of times. Uh, I shared it with him, and I was like, dude, check this out. And he was like, man, that's a great question and all that. And I was like, I'm not going to waste this just in like the first two or three minutes of an episode. I'm going to dedicate an entire episode to this. And we're going to like have this discussion about what would these American kaiju have been like if America, Hollywood, had continued shelling out movies like they would 
uh, like they did in 1953 with the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And, you know, eventually, <clears throat> eventually they did more, um, like, radiated uh, monster movies and all of that, mainly like the Big Bugs, because the film Vim, which I have an episode on, it started the Big Bug craze, like giant spiders, tarantulas, ants, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Like, would they have continued to still do irradiated normal monsters that just grew to giant sizes? Would they have done something like the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, where they come up with an original monster, an original kaiju, and all of that? Who knows? Me and Kid Kong are going to take part in... Uh, I've invited Kid Kong to take part in this discussion. So next week, me and Kid Kong are going to be talking about a very what-if scenario on... What if Hollywood had continued to make original kaiju content instead of doing Americanized versions of existing kaiju films? And <clears throat> speaking of being on other people's podcasts, um, I've got a schedule that's coming up. Um, at the time of this recording yesterday, the episode will be released today at the time of this recording, uh, December 22nd, um, I went over to my friend Caleb's house. He runs Caleb's Kung Fu Cinema, where, where he pretty much just talks about uh, martial arts movies and action movies and things like that. So it was him, me, and Kid Kong, all three of us, and we discussed the film John Wick. Um, Caleb... He doesn't really, he doesn't do his show the way that me or Kid Kong do ours, where we talk about like production and all of that kind of stuff. He's really more of a plot recap show where he just talks about like what actually happens in the movie and fun facts are thrown in here and there. And then also you just get to hear uh, me, him, and Kid Kong um, <clears throat> interact with one another. And we, we can be a little goofy at times because again, we, we've known each other for like eight years eight or ten years or something like that, you know, with a lot of inside jokes that we have, so, yeah, uh, go over to Caleb's Kung Fu Cinema and check out that episode, uh, and listen to us talk about John Wick, um, next week, I'm gonna be on his show again, and we're gonna be talking about, uh, I believe it's called, uh, Showdown in Little China, uh, honestly, like, the name has always, um, like Big Showdown in Little China or something like that. It's got Dolph Lundgren and uh, Brandon Lee in it. I adore that movie. <laughs> like, it's... it's yeah. But yeah, it's going to be me, Caleb, Kid Kong, and Caleb's wife. And we're all going to be talking about that movie. And then a few weeks you know, later on down the road, I'm going to be guest starring on Chris's show yet again. Caleb is going to be on that one as well. And we're going to be talking about The Crow starring Brandon Lee. So... Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of, I'm going to be guest starring uh, on a lot of different episodes for different podcasts going on into the future, and I'll announce each one and all of that, but again, guys, go check out the YouTube, I've got a few episodes up, um, the, the videos are not professional, you know, I don't have an intro video, I don't have theme music, I don't have like an outro or anything, like you hit play, boom, I start talking, like, you know, that's just it, <laughs> like, so, uh, Go check out the YouTube, watch me do my unboxing, watch me do a re-recording of the 1933 King Kong episode. Um, here, recently, I started a Patreon, 
There are different tiers that you can go with. It's very, you know, you can go check out the tiers if you want. Um, the cheapest tier that there is, this is not me just, you know, be like, oh, give me money, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, look, you know, this, this hobby gets expensive. You know, I'm paying a monthly bill now to have a website and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, uh, I decided to, okay, let's try to, uh, do something just to help me out so that I can, I can continue buying movies and things like that, streaming services and all of that kind of stuff so that I can, can continue doing this podcast. But like the cheapest tier is like five bucks and it's just a donation tier. Basically, I'll appreciate anything that you guys give me. And if none of you decide to go and um, subscribe to the Patreon, that's fine. I get it. I understand. Like it's, it's no hard feelings or anything. But, you know, there's one tier. I just made it like two days ago. I can't even hardly remember what tiers I put in. But the first tier is like five bucks. Just thank you for being here. You've earned my gratitude. And then the next one was like ten bucks or something like that. And um, I can't remember, honestly, what the... Uh, oh, that one, I believe, was just shout-outs on the podcast. And I will add your name as a producer credit on my YouTube videos, as well as I'll shout your name out on podcast on the podcast, that, like crediting you as an official producer of the podcast and all of that. And then um, the final tier, which is I believe twenty dollars a month, would be all of those same benefits. But then once a month, you guys will get to pick a movie, any movie of your choice, as long as I agree to do it. I mean, I'm not going to do, you know. If you just come up with some ugly, ridiculous, super adult-themed movie or something like that, you know, I'm probably not going to do it. But uh, if you come up, you know, you can give me a suggestion for a movie, and I'll do an episode on it on my podcast. I'll give it the same exact treatment. I'll say your name and all of that kind of stuff, saying that this movie was suggested to me by such and such, and I'm going to be doing it now. So... You know, those are my Patreon tiers. That's it. Like I said, if you guys want to go subscribe and help me out, by all means, go help me out. If not, I completely understand. No hard feelings. So, alrighty, guys. Next week is going to be Eddie's uh, question that he gave me. Go check out Caleb's Kung Fu Cinema to uh, hear me, Caleb, and Kid all talk about uh, John Wick. And check out the website. Check out YouTube. Check out all of my socials and everything. Please go give me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I would very much appreciate it. And we'll catch you guys next time. This is Cal the Kaiju Guy, signing out.